0: Welcome to Retro Fanfic Retrospective, the podcast where we dredge up old fanfiction and expose it to the cold, harsh light of 2020. My name is Amato, and with me is... Tarin. Just Tarin.
1: Just me. Uh, we're
0: still in the time of quarantine, and I'm still trying to host things on my own over here. And I missed Dom this week because I had to set it up for a remote guest.
1: And you didn't have a
0: backup Tori either, huh? No. Yeah, Tori's the other person who has ever done audio setup. And we still had to pull in Dom to try to get things working, and we think they're working. Hopefully, people do not listen to this podcast and just hear me talking to myself, Garfield minus Garfield style.
1: Even though that's way better
0: than Garfield? It is way better than Garfield, but... You need to have experienced the original with Garfield before you can get the humor of Garfield minus Garfield.
1: Well, there's there's plenty of previous episodes. Check out the various platforms on which they exist, right? That's true.
0: Yeah. I I suppose people could go back and listen to normal episodes and then just hear me ranting to myself about Calvin and Hobbes. With these
1: pauses, right? And then like being interrupted by nothing.
0: Which right. I mean, cutting into nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I think we're on to something here. Speaking of Garfield, we're reading Calvin and Hobbes fanfics today. Yes. And and you know, apropos of absolutely nothing, the author of the first fanfic, early on, is like, Oh yeah, it's a shame Calvin and Hobbes, you know, is no longer being written. Maybe someday they'll be immortalized in a movie like Garfield was.
1: Right, and that that is a joke, right?
0: I hope so because uh, did anyone uh, you know what? I didn't see the Garfield movie. Maybe I'm being harsh on it. Was it any good at all?
1: Everyone hates it and thinks it ruined Bill Murray's career.
0: That's what I thought, right? Like no one likes
1: that movie. Right. Maybe they were referring to like the the old cartoon movie which had like four stories loosely adapted from the comics. That that was a movie? I mean I remember the cartoon. It was Oh yeah. Garfield's surprisingly,
0: <laughs> yeah, not as bad as one would think at all.
1: Right. And even like that uh, the the and friends part was like, oh, that's actually huh, not bad. Weird.
0: These characters are inoffensive and one of them is an egg,
1: and that's cool. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um And they have farm activities instead of being around the house. Forever, yeah. wait a minute. is Is Garfield like the comic strip of our time? Yeah,
0: there you go. Huh? Uh, all of the introvert jokes that everyone's making on Twitter, it's like, oh, John was already not contacting, not in contact with anybody and never leaving the house.
1: <laughs> so Garfield was my first favorite comic strip as like a five-year-old, and then, mm-hmm. luckily, it transitioned to a much nobler uh, comic, as did you, right?
0: Oh yeah! Thanks for transitioning me out of that hole that we were in. <laughs> because, yeah, I, sh- I should have been asking you, what's your background with Calvin and Hobbes?
1: Yeah, so my dad just had some Calvin and Hobbes collections around the house uh, before we got the paper, and I don't, I don't, I think they, the paper ended up reprinting Calvin and Hobbes, but the collections were great and. Once I actually started reading them, I ended up rereading them over and over and over again just because um, it, was, it just felt so, even though I never identified with Calvin really at all, mm-hmm. th- just him being a kid and the whole world being kind of seen through his his lens, but sort of also at the same time like, in, in, a, in this vaguely self-aware way that I, I feel like children are aware that they're pretending, but it just doesn't mean the same thing. Anyway, I, I, I like that a lot. And um, I think by the time I finished reading all of it, like I had read through like, various collections as, as I owned them, like, one by one, like, over and over and over again to the point where I felt like I could reference any Calvin and Hobbes comic strip ever. Um, yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, we're on the same page there. Like, I was the person you would reference them to, more or less. Like, we could <laughs> refer to some punchline or, like, something, and we'd know exactly what strip we were talking about.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember if that was annoying for our friends, our mutual friends who were around at the time. Um, but yeah, it was pretty neat to just be able to refer to a random comic out of like 20 years. Of, I don't think it was quite I 20, didn't run 20 years, like 14, 12 years of comic strips. Um, and and just be on the same page um, have you, out of curiosity, have you read uh, Calvin and Hobbes recently?
0: I have because um, you know, our five-year-old read through a lot of it mm. eventually. And I must have started reading Calvin and Hobbes when I was really young too. I, my background is exactly how it started is murky, but I feel like I might have started reading Calvin and Hobbes' little collections in Spanish. Mm. Like when We spent a little bit of time in Mexico when I was a kid. And I probably didn't understand them very well. But to be fair, I didn't understand most of Calvin and Hobbes in English very well either when I was reading it as a little kid. <laughs> like, that was one of the pleasures of it, is going back and rereading it as I'm older repeatedly, and actually understanding more and more of the jokes each time. Right. I think at 33, I finally understand all of the jokes, <laughs> but I could be wrong.
1: Yeah, I definitely remember a few comic strips where I just had no frame of reference for what they're talking about, and... Calvin's interesting because even more so than the stuffed tiger Hobbs slash real tiger Hobbs, um,
0: real stuffed tiger.
1: <laughs> there's Calvin uses a lot of fairly large words, um, without seeming to have much of the wisdom you might associate with having a large vocabulary, which is a whole wisdom like kettle of worms we could get into, but, um, yeah. It's definitely a good way to learn, we like weird words. I think. Um. Yeah, for
0: sure. <laughs> uh, I guess the only other thing to say about my Calvin Hobbes background is that my beloved stuffed animal from my childhood is named Mr. Bun after the Mr. Bun from Calvin and Hobbes. Oh yeah. These kids have no creativity. Right. <laughs> um, and what else was I gonna say? I remember I was following Calvin and Hobbes towards the tail end of its run. I definitely cut out the strips from the newspaper every day for about a week before I lost interest. (laughs) And I think it was the storyline where, like, Susie's going home with Calvin after school for some reason because, like, her parents are unavailable or something. Uh Uh-huh. Is that right? Yeah. That's it.
1: (laughs) That's it. That's what we remember.
0: That's my story. Those are the only other interesting things I had to say.
1: Well... Do you think, so you understand all the jokes now. Do you enjoy the strip as much as you did at other points in your life?
0: Yeah, probably, except for not being surprised anymore. (laughs) Right. And also, I can now more clearly see that, like, oh, the early stuff is not as good. Mm -hmm. And it kind of gets gradually more on point further on.
1: Yeah, and then there are those random sojourns into just... Him venting about, like the art establishment. Yeah, well, like marketing and <laughs> commercialization and whatnot, which.
0: Well, I, I enjoy those more. I mean, I've got to say, I identify a lot more with Calvin's dad
1: now than I ever did. Right, you seem. Well, actually, um, Calvin's dad has always reminded me of your dad. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. Um, who has been on the podcast?
0: That's right. Yeah, he was. He was on with us for um the robot story the asimov's robots right um uh, but but yeah you know a a thing with like calvin's dad i don't know being upset over the number of peanut butter choices at the supermarket is just <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah that's the adult experience for sure in america
1: yeah i think that that is how i would summarize my own reaction i'm i'm a bit be, because i'm not surprised by anything i'm a bit less um intrigued by the storylines but i relate a lot more to certain characters which is mm-hmm. nice i'm actually as we record i have my laptop um because it's quite a small laptop i have it sitting on my collection that my brother galen gave me of all of the calvin and Hobbes comics like mm-hmm. it's like three re- relatively huge um <laughs> books of comics Uh, Very good for putting my laptop on.
0: There you go. That's the real strength of Calvin and Hobbes. Well, I'm sure we'll have more to say about the strip, but we should probably get into the fanfics because I actually assigned two fanfics today because one of them is short and the other one is very short.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And we're starting with the very short one. It's a fanfic called Reminiscence by Kenya Starflight. It's on fanfiction.net, published 2004, and you can find a link there at bit.ly/rfr calvin because I'm not going to make anyone smell, spell reminiscence if they're trying to find this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it appears to be if there's one famous Calvin and Hobbes fanfic, which is a I'm not arguing that there is, but if <laughs> there is one, it appears to be this fanfic. It's like referenced a couple places on the internet. there's a podfic of it that you can find you know posted on Tumblr. Oh. I'll drop a link there as well onto the you know, the post here, Um, and a lot of people seem to enjoy it quite a bit, and it's the only Calvin Hobbes fanfic I had read before seeking out any for this episode.
1: It has almost as many favorites as it has words, which is (laughs) impressive. That's
0: true. Fanfiction.net says words, more than 2,000. Favorites, more than (laughs) 2,000s. Follows? 246, despite the fact that it's a one-and-done, one-chapter fanfic that will never have another chapter posted. So I don't know about that. Maybe some people just didn't understand how follows work.
1: Maybe maybe bots are a thing on fanfiction.net. Do we know?
0: Well, they are. I I definitely do get, like, emails, not emails, fanfiction.net messages basically sexually propositioning, you know, like. So, and I'm pretty sure they're from bots. 99% sure.
1: Because of how they proposition you, or...?
0: Uh, Yeah, they're bots. I mean, they're spam. But anyway, the point is, yeah, maybe maybe bots follow this for some reason. I don't know why that would be a profitable thing to do. Whatever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, who knows.
0: The category this fanfic's under, for genre, is drama and angst. Hmm. It's a Calvin and Hobbes drama and angst fanfic, which I guess seems accurate enough.
1: I appreciate that fanfiction.net combines the two. Um, but yeah, it seemed fairly angsty, I suppose.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, it's something. I I didn't remember having strong feelings about it um, when I read it however many years ago I did, mm-hmm. but I, I, I find it a little bit annoying now. Same let's let's go into it. I'm sorry, Kenya Starflight, if we're gonna be kind of annoyed by you. Can you tell us the basic outline of this story?
1: Sure. The first, maybe th- fourth of it, third of it, is sort of this um, introspective examination of of what childhood is like and what imagining is like. And it kind of goes through. It's from Calvin's point of view. We learn Um, Mm -hmm. it's about it. Kind of goes through all of the major hallmarks of the Calvin and Hobbes comics, like
0: of his imagination in particular. Like yeah, you know the the machines, the the devices, and the like imaginary role play and the Hobbes being you know real to him kind of thing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, And then it sort of goes into his. His feeling, like he he he's lost. He he's not feeling. He literally says he lost the ability to sort of imagine. I I guess of of mastering altering altering reality, as Calvin narrator puts it. This is all in first person. Um, and then after that, it goes into. Um, just sort so Let's back up a
0: moment. Actually, let's talk about that first part. Let's do. Um, so it's very changeling the dreaming, like it's very like glorifying childhood imagination, and like mm-hmm. I get where they're coming from, especially from like a Calvin and Hobbes, you know, fanfic Calvin and Hobbes background. But like uh, to some extent, like I'm the parent of young children. Uh-huh. When when our older kid was maybe two, I mm. would say was when there was sort of that a. Um, greater ability to imagine things or like a lack of distinction between imagining and not mm-hmm. um, and like you know that's when he was like oh yeah there's, there's you know 15 ghosts in the basement or whatever like not in the basement we don't have a basement but like, <laughs> there's like 15 ghosts downstairs or whatever and we're like oh really like tell us about it and you know he would tell us a little bit about it like mm-hmm. very seriously Calvin's six and like six years or in the in strip, right mm-hmm. and six years old is kind of the time they're talking about here Our older kid's only five, and he's already very, like, rule-bound. Like, if if our younger kid, you know, says something in imaginary play, like, our our five-year-old will, like, correct him about, you know, like, oh, no, you're not actually doing that, right? Like, I feel like kids do imaginary play, but well before they're six, they very, very much understand the difference between imaginary and real. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's different from kid to kid or something
1: yeah i I would think I mean your your children are very precocious um so maybe they become adults already and we just haven't noticed but
0: <laughs> whoops there is I think I probably uh, crushed their imagination as described here <laughs> i
1: I think you're I think you're right um i I do think it's probably um, individual to kids, different children who maybe are looking for their imagination as some sort of escape. Maybe they're more willing to believe it even if they wouldn't otherwise. I think sort of my issue with the with section, or just something I would point out, is the end of of it, which is it's still all very short, but the end of this sort of introspection is sort of blaming adults, right, for mm-hmm. for stripping the young ones of this remarkable ability to mold their well, world. It
0: does that in general, but then in Calvin's specific instance it says, oh, but eventually I lost the power, not out of adult interference, but out of my own neglect. Right. But you're right, it, it does blame adults for doing that. Yeah, it, for like not playing along with their imagination or whatever.
1: And I imagine, I imagine, I... <laughs> I'm sure that that...
0: You've lost the ability to imagine, Tari. Uh, don't fool yourself. <laughs> uh,
1: I'm, I'm, I still have delusions, though. But um, I I feel like that may be my, my own perspective if I was like a teenager, like thinking about like being kind of bitter about how my childhood had sort of been taken away from me by the nasty adults but Mm. i also as an adult and maybe i'm just defensive about it uh i do feel like there are a lot of influences on children even at young ages which would cause them to not not really want to be like in a in a fantasy world like someone like Calvin and Calvin and Hobbes is um like there are a lot of serious things that can happen with children that make them, as some people would say, grow up like really quickly, um, and sort of lose that sense of wonder, I imagine. I'm not a I'm not a teacher or anything and I don't have my own children, so maybe I shouldn't talk about it, but I do think
0: No, I mean I mean I think that's fair, is it? Like this this idealizing of childhood is like a very specific perspective that is you know, not all of childhood, right? And, and oh, sorry, go on.
1: It's the it's the children, like the child perspective versus the adult perspective, which is just sort of rankling to me because it also kind of puts the, these these uh, expectations on adults or how adults behave that I I kind of disagree with. But on the other hand, I I take I take the point that maybe some like maybe a lot of parents don't let their children just be as creative um, as, as they are naturally inclined to be before they I guess have to stop being super creative which doesn't sound like it's a thing that actually has to happen I don't know
0: <laughs> I yeah I hear you. And the other thing about this segment that kind of rubs me slightly wrong is that it's it's very saccharine in terms of, like, its, you know, perspective towards childhood, right? Mm-hmm. And Calvin and Hobbes has that sometimes. Mm. But the other half of the time, Calvin and Hobbes, you know, like, Calvin's imagination and creativity and energy is all, you know, kind of attributed largely to his age, right? Right. But his total selfishness and self-centeredness and inability to do long-term planning and, like you know, lack of appreciation for waiting or for anything like that, is also a frequent, you know, theme in the comic. It also chalked up to his very young age, right? Yeah. Like like, like the first line here is, when you're six years old, you think childhood goes on forever. And that calls back to that, that Sunday strip with the dad, like they're cooking hot dogs outside and the dad is going on about how like, oh, you know, you should enjoy the process and like enjoy this beautiful summer evening. And you know, times like this don't last forever. And Calvin's, you know, there's a beat, and Calvin's like, so should I order out to McDonald's or what? Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, and
0: the dad's final comment is, yeah, yeah, I know, you think you're going to be six years old forever. And there's just none of that kind of cynicism about childhood or about child perspectives in this fanfic at all.
1: Definitely. And even further than that, like, Calvin and Hobbes, like, he's... In- we get the impression that Calvin is himself an incredibly creative little kid like probably right. like a lot of kids are but um his fantasies or whatever they are maybe they're actual magical adventures who knows it's never really i mean why explain yeah, i mean it? but yeah. yeah they're they're definitely probably just his fantasies they're not always fun for him like he doesn't like being being trapped like like with gravity upside down, but that, I mean that sounds fun, right? But it he 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 has he seems to have actual stress from a lot yeah, of
0: he's distressed by a lot of that, you're right. Yeah,
1: so yeah, I feel you on that point.
0: But anyway, the second half of the fanfic is kind of walking through Calvin's life post-six years old. Mm-hmm. Or at least a few key points of it. Like um uh, he becomes a paleontologist that's kind of cool i mean i don't know how many people's interests carry on from when they're six to their professional careers but some people's do. sure maybe circle back or something yeah and he oh i I guess sorry i guess the key point here is that he drifts away from hobbs starts spending less time with him in favor of peers specifically like he starts playing pokemon cards and that's kind of the start of them drifting apart right with like other kids I'd, the evils of collectible card games.
1: I kind of liked uh, how they, how how the the steps by which he went through pretty quickly, like his relationship with Hobbs, I guess, disintegrating. Um, mm-hmm. How like he did bring Hobbs to to play Pokemon for a bit, but Hobbs didn't like it. The, the guys and slept through it. it right. Made fun of him or whatever, and yeah. That sounds fairly realistic, I suppose.
0: It is fairly realistic because it's very much the process of just, like, you stop hanging out with one of your close friends in, like, your elementary school age or whatever, right? Like, your interests start diverging, and then you have other friends, and you hang out with them instead. Um, Except here, there's that element where, like, you know, then one day he returns to his room, and, like, all he sees is Hobbes as a stuffed animal.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: But even that's not super distressing to him, which is an interesting way of going with this. He's kind of like... He mourns Hobbes, but like, or the loss of Hobbes as a friend, but like, he doesn't seem to have any existential crisis because of it, or like, Mm. you know, fear for the existence of Hobbes at all, or something like that.
1: Yeah, you know, there, there, I think I saw some sort of, it wasn't a satire, but I remember seeing some sort of spoof or something on Calvin and Hobbes. On a Calvin Hobbes strip where Calvin's like just so super busy, yeah. like doing something. And then the very last strip is just Hobbes just sitting there on the bed. And as a stuffed animal.
0: Right. Yeah, that's the. That made the rise of the internet a while ago, too. A while ago, like 15 years ago. I don't know.
1: I, re- yeah, I remember feeling like that was. Like, that hit me pretty hard. I was like, oh man, that's pretty poignant. And he doesn't even notice that his. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. But uh, this didn't really. Make me feel quite the same, maybe because I'd already experienced that before. Um, I don't know.:
0: Well, maybe it's because he doesn't he doesn't notice. Mm-hmm. But he also doesn't have any fears over the existence of Hobbes. Like Hobbes stopped talking to me. Hobbes stopped like, you know interacting with me. He's not like Hobbes never existed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He doesn't have that, which would have been a lot more, you know, angsty. Or distressing or, you know, even real. Right. But then after the other progression of his life, there's there's this thing where like the author wanted to wrap a pleasant bow on all of his relationships, which is weird.
1: Yeah. I felt like I was being pandered to as if I as if I like I don't know. It, it's kinda weird for me to to it almost felt like Calvin knew that we that the reader had read the comic and then was just wrapping every single major, like, relationship up, which... Yeah, so... Yeah.
0: So, for example, he comes back from Australia dig to attend Miss Wormwood's 90th birthday party, and, like, you know, he entertains her and she dies three months later, and that's all very, like, you know, saccharine TV movie, right? Yeah. But it's like, no, you think Calvin's going to be in touch with his, like, first-grade teacher who he hated as an adult? <laughs> like... I mean I relate a little bit more to Miss Wormwood as a professional teacher now but like she's he's not going to have a relationship yeah, with her. After. It, it he broke my have immersion
1: a little bit there. Um a-
0: and likewise there's this thing where if that's you a know thing. later on in the fanfic with Mo but
1: Yeah. That was confusing.
0: He has a bonding moment with Mo later on and like Mo, you know, <laughs> just beat him up and took his things repeatedly which I also doesn't seem quite realistic but like that's that's the relationship. <laughs> um and that's not to say that being a, you know, physically abusive first-grade bully, at that age when he was six or whatever, that that doesn't mean that Mo is you know a terrible, irredeemable person who will like never be sympathetic or cannot like progress past that as an adult. <laughs> but it's not—he's not gonna be chummy with Calvin, right? Like that's really, really forced.
1: It seems like quite a stretch. Yeah. Um... And I think Mo was older, an older student, too, so...
0: I think that's a joke that Calvin makes at some point, yeah, that he was just, like, held back a few years, which is why he's huge or whatever.
1: Right. Um,
0: but anyway. But then, of course, the main relationship is... Susie Durkins. Susie and Calvin get together. Um,
1: yeah. Fine, I guess. <laughs> I mean... I don't know of anyone who met their wife at age six, but No. Um
0: I accept that someone probably did, right? Somewhere it's like girl next door trope. Like literally she's the girl next door.
1: S- sm- um, small town, maybe. And yeah, I don't know. I guess. Um
0: Yeah, they um they get married?
1: You, like. you think there were a lot of Calvin and Susie shippers? I...
0: Well, uh, all I remember is, like, you know, Watterson had a little quasi-romantic tension between them early on. Yeah. And But I also remember in, like, the 10th anniversary book, him saying, like, yeah, I regret that. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I played that up too much early on when really, I like, it was much better when I just had their personalities bounce off each other and them, like, scream at each other.
1: Yeah, I would agree with him, though I remember being into those comics like as a as a would be romantic child right like yeah thinking love can find a way even even if it's through sort of this child version of basically abuse um hazing kind of a thing but man susie's such a great character just she's a great
0: character i really like her yeah I don't necessarily buy that she and Calvin would become adultish people who were attracted to each other, though.
1: No. No. And Su- well, Susie must have finally seen me for the ball of animal charisma and charm I truly was.
0: Well, he's being, like, sarcastic there, but... Yeah. You know. The main thing about Susie here is that she's not a character. Like, she appears to be courted briefly. She is courted briefly. They
1: get married... And, and then she's fridged. Pregnant. Oh, and then sorry. she's
0: fridged. Yeah, fridging is exactly right. No, that's the right word. What happens to Susie?
1: Uh, so, yeah, so Susie gets hit by, I guess, a drunk driver um, while, yeah. while she's pregnant. Is that right?
0: Yeah, I think that's the idea. And, like, it's a miracle she's able to give birth before, you know, disconnecting the life support, which is more more drama and angst than was really necessary here. Yeah. <laughs> like... Um, but yeah, it's just to provide, to like make Calvin's life kind of a little bit more drama filled. Mm. That's really the only reason. And like, she didn't she didn't have to die for this story to work.
1: Yeah, I, I, honestly, I would have preferred his life stay pretty boring. Like, I I guess he's a paleontologist, so that's pretty cool or probably sounds I mean, more fun than it is, but.
0: Yeah, I, my understanding is that most people go into that line of work. Their job is to um, do a perfunctory dig on sites where they're going to build, like, a large building or something hmm. just so they can say that they checked for artifacts, and then, like, uh, that's it.
1: <laughs> huh. Uh, <laughs> I think paleontologist was my, like, childhood profession desire, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it was because of Calvin Hobbes, but dinosaur's pretty cool.
0: Um, (laughs) but anyway yeah the main point there is just that like he has a daughter miriam and just leads into the kind of like the culmination of the fanfic right because i mean he has to single parent for for a while but like it's a short fanfic right we're hitting these beats really quickly yep and one night she presents her stuffed uh zebra (laughs) like named who she names oedipus it's an odd
1: choice <laughs> for an,
0: Right. For a, um, you know, for him to, like, kiss goodnight also, right? Yeah. And, like, he does that and treats Oedipus as a real figure. Mm-hmm. And, and then when he, like, returns to his room after doing that, and, and like, he feels like he can imagine Oedipus saying something as like, you know, he's leaving them behind in the bedroom, right? And when he returns to his room, like Hobbes is, you know, talking to him again. Hobbes is a tiger again, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like, where have you been? Right in front of you, he replies shortly. You've just been too busy to notice. <laughs> and like, I, I get how that's wrapping a bow on things, but I feel like fundamentally it doesn't work with the premise exactly because this premise of like, oh, the thing about childhood is that adults don't like take your imagination seriously, and that's what kind of quells it, right? Mm-hmm. Calvin's parents always played along with Hobbes, with like Hobbes being a person. I mean, they rolled their eyes sometimes or like tried to get around like, you know, weird requests that you know that Calvin made on that basis. Mm-hmm. But they were never like, "No, Calvin Hobbes is not real. Like Hobbes is a stuffed tiger ever. They were always like, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think Hobbes needs another, you know, tuna sandwich tonight or whatever.
1: Yeah. No. And so I was always very so impressed by that, by the way, in, in retrospect. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I didn't work for me either. Um, it feels like that's supposed to be like the redeeming thing
0: of like him as an adult, like indulging her imagination but implicitly in a way his parents did and except that they did, he just drifted away from Hobbes cause he was too busy cause he got, had other interests uh-huh. and that hasn't changed. He's still a single parent who is, has a career who has other interests and is not imagining things all the time. I don't know. It just seems a little bit off.
1: It just changed. Yeah. Cause, cause the premise has to do with childhood versus adulthood. And then this end, this conclusion is I've gone through a lot of trauma recently. I'm, or relatively recently because of my within the last however many years, yeah. sure. And now like I, I need I need a friend kind of a thing, even though Mo's, I guess, is friend too. Um like he needs a he need, he needs a security back. But I don't know, Hobbes I I don't like thinking of Hobbes as sort of a security animal or, or whatnot. Not that there's anything wrong with having
0: But I don't I think he's presented as that exactly in this fanfic either hmm. um because it's not like he reconnects with Hobbes after the trauma he reconnects with Hobbes after processing a lot of that and like you know it's very explicitly he's like oh I don't know if if I pass some kind of test by treating Oedipus seriously or um where is it maybe I've managed to recapture some of that childhood power to me it doesn't matter Hobbes is home
1: which Hobbes has been home um Hobbes has been home it feels like it would have been, it feels like every other version of this story would have like Oedipus being, coming alive and then Calvin just sort of smiling and walking away and like it.
0: Well, there's a moment of that though, because he hears Oedipus's voice.
1: Right, exactly. And, but then this, like this one just keeps going and it's just like, oh, and also I have Hobbes back.
0: Right. And that, you're right. You're Right. If it had just been Oedipus, if like it had been that magic of childhood passed on to his daughter, mm-hmm. that at least thematically would have hung together a little bit more.
1: It's like a, it'd be like Toy Story 3 or, or, or whatnot. Um, Toy Story, whichever. But or, yeah, Toy or, Story 3. Yes. Or the much, much superior film, um, The Brave Little Toaster. But yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. OK, we, we can hash that out later. Um, but yeah, the. I also didn't find the dialogue particularly compelling with Hobbes. I don't know. Yeah, it didn't.
0: Well, I mean, he only has one line, so how could you?
1: <laughs> that's true. Um, or like, yeah, how he's depicted, but.
0: Well, I mean that's reminiscence. I know a lot of people seem to like it. I understand why they like it, because it is a a conclusion, and it's a sweet conclusion. Um, I'm just not not really a big fan.
1: Yeah, and I I remember 2004. My desire for like more Calvin and Hobbes being fresher and and wanting to eat sort of like an epilogue. I remember that being a stronger sense then, but obviously now it's more like I'm kind of good um, not knowing about every single thing that happened, but. Still. I'm
0: good not knowing what career Roslyn went into or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> right.
1: Still, you know, <laughs> relatively dense and succinct, I guess.
0: Yeah. It's got that going for it. It is very dense. Um it doesn't overstate its welcome. Yeah. Our other fanfic is significantly longer. It's still not long. 10,000 words, 11,000 words, and it's called Geniuses by Amaretto. Mm-hmm. and I think it's interesting that it's from the same time frame, I believe I mean, the other one was late 2004 this one's April 2005 that it was posted on fanfiction.net hmm. um, and you can find a link to this one, by the way at bit.ly slash rfr Hobbes, H-O-B-B-E-S because geniuses, you know <laughs> can't shorten <laughs> it well enough I, I wanted a Calvin a Hobbes don't we all don't we all and the thing about this fanfic is that it's a crossover, and I was kind of sold on the premise. It's also recommended online, so, you know, I had a reason to think it was good. But also, it is Calvin Jason Fox slash.
1: Right. Uh, which, this is, of course, yeah, I, it, yeah, it's a great idea, I, I think, but.
0: It's a great idea. This is Jason Fox from Foxtrot. I guess we talk about our background with Foxtrot. I mean.
1: Good point. Yep. How about Foxtrot's you?
0: Foxtrot's the kind of strip that one got into once there was no longer any Calvin and Hobbes, and you were looking for something, you know, not as good as Calvin and Hobbes, but good enough.
1: And sort of whimsical and with, like, a focus on children's relationships, maybe, but... Um, and, I mean,
0: yeah. yeah, and it's it's not as good as Calvin and
1: Hobbes. No. It's
0: not at all. No. It's, it's got its charms. Yeah. Like, the author, what is this? What's his name? Um,
1: Bill Amond.:
0: Bill Amond, Bill Watterson, Bill Amond, double Bills. <laughs> Bill Amond. He's, he's really into the same pattern of joke a lot of the time, right? Yeah. Where it's like, oh, someone says something. Someone says something. Someone asks another question. Punchline. Yep. It's like, uh, 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 uh. That's, that's often the case. He's not nearly as expressive as okay, I shouldn't be comparing strips to Calvin and Hobbes, because Calvin and Hobbes is really, really, really good. It's
1: quite a standard, Fo- yeah.
0: Foxtrot's is, Foxtrot is fine.
1: Foxtrot is I, fine. It's like a, it's it's a junk food comic strip. You know what you're getting. You can kind of get into a rhythm just chowing down on it. Um, yeah, you can. Letting and, your brain rest, I guess.
0: <laughs> and occasionally, if you're us, you get a, you know, delicious chocolate chip morsel of the author making an extremely specific geek joke. Yeah. Like very pointed D&D or Star Wars or, you know, whatever jokes.
1: Yeah, and he he makes them fully aware that most of his audience will have no idea what he's talking about, but he has whole he has whole characters devoted to those jokes. So,
0: right. And one of those characters is Jason Fox. The youngest like kid in the fox family and he's he's a total nerd right
1: mm-hmm.
0: like he actually has knowledge of useful things like math and science and that sort of thing and i had never thought to hold him up against calvin as like a you know compare and contrast sort of thing mm-hmm. but this author did yeah i think and so oh, you know
1: go on without spoiling anything i, I think the author does a fairly good like comparison of the two in terms of like the style of how they think and act. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess let's get into it.
0: Sure. So it is set at a college. I don't even know, you know if we know the the name of the college. It doesn't really matter. hmm But Jason and Calvin are college age. They're both staying the same college, and we're mostly from Jason's point of view. Right. He sees uh, some frat boys knocking over a bunch of like elaborate snowmen like outside, and kind of goes to be like, "Hey, what are you doing?" But they're they're drunk assholes and that sort of thing. And this leads into like Calvin, who's the one who built the snowmen, kind of coming out and butting heads with them, and you know security shows up, and that's how the two of them meet.
1: Right. Calvin has a history with these bullies. Calvin seems to be bullied wherever he goes, even in college. Which is maybe not how I think about Calvin. Anyway, um, apparently it's, it's not it's
0: not what I would have imagined. But it doesn't. F- okay, the thing that feels wrong in the same way as Calvin and Hobbes is just that there's a lot of physical violence, bullying going on that you wouldn't think would be able to go on. You no. know? but other than that. I feel like the portrayal of Calvin as a adult-type person, it kind of fits even though it's not what I would have imagined. He's kind of sullen and like, difficult to get close to. Yeah. And has a lot of anger, but still also a lot of creativity, right?
1: Right. So, so Jason is annoyed by these jerks who, who have kind of beaten up Calvin and... He calls security on them, I guess. Yeah, and Calvin doesn't like that, right? Because
0: no, because he's gonna like draw more
1: attention to him or whatever. Right, because apparently Calvin's been harassed by these guys who he apparently student teaches for yeah a really long time or fairly extensively. Um,
0: Calvin's an art student, by the way. Oh yeah. Or as it turns out, a triple major. What is it art, art history, and so he's what, what did he say?
1: It says I think it was art and English, and then uh, I was wondering if the art history part was the English, and maybe that's
0: no he's because he says triple major.
1: oh yeah uh,
0: i I buy Calvin as art and maybe even English. I don't know about art history like i guess i mean it's just the author kind of riffing off of him like talking about all of this you know like kind of art establishment stuff in you know in jokes in the strip i think right but i don't think he ever showed any interest in history so much as kind of like the current art market right right Uh, well whatever i just don't see him like doing academic being extra academic about his art interests is all
1: no i can't see it either um But he, yeah, he sort of fits the mold of of the art students I I kind of remember from undergrad, um, where he's sullen and kind of like, as Jason would put it, hot. The one the one thing that I didn't quite I didn't quite feel like was my like stereotype of an art student was that he at one point he gets embarrassed I think, and all the art students I ever know. Would die to be caught like bashful or embarrassed about anything, so <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so well, so Calvin,
0: I think that's also like in regards to his sexuality, which Calvin has not explored very much. He says like he's kind of against the art student stereotype that way. And speaking of sexuality, it's not spelled out for us for a long time, but Jason's bi, mm. and Jason has the hots for Calvin immediately, and that's honestly important to the story in that Calvin's not gonna like go try to be friends with this random guy he just met Mm -hmm. and so a reasonable amount of the the energy in this fanfic is that Jason's pushing the relationship basically to flirt with Calvin right like he's the one kind of seeking out more opportunities to interact with Calvin or whatever I mean flirt's not the right word because he's not very good at that (laughs) but like because he has a crush on this person he wants to like you know seek them out and learn more about them and you know whatever
1: his, his crush is immediate, and I felt like it was like that dynamic of him having a crush and sort of trying to get Calvin to spend time with him was very realistic for mm-hmm. both how I have acted when I've had crushes and what I've seen in the wild. Um, but, yeah.
0: yeah. I agree, and also I can imagine it well. Because Foxtrot characters don't have a wide variety of facial expressions. <laughs> but one of them is they see something and their eyebrows go way above their head for a panel. Right. <laughs> and, and that's the reaction that
1: Jason has. <laughs> sort of an a sort of moment. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so Calvin has a number of projects he's working on in order to fast track his triple major. Um, <laughs>
0: If you want to fast-track it, maybe drop a major or two, but okay, Calvin.
1: (laughs) One of them was the Snowmen, which is a... I mean, you know, it harkens back to the comic strip where he makes these incredible snowmen, which, like, as a kid, I was like, this creates unrealistic expectations for snowmen for me. Absolutely. Uh, um, The six-year-old designing, like, 30 incredible snowmen... Yeah.
0: Honestly, one of the weirdest things about the fanfic is that, like, final project, snowman project that the frat boys trashed. You never actually get a description of it. I was like, but but what was he building? Like, Jason's very impressed by them. He's like, yeah, those were amazing. You know that one of them was female. That's all you all you hear about it.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are whole story arcs in the the Calvin and Hobbes comic strips about the snowmen. Especially the killer snow goons, right? So mm-hmm. a little disappointing, especially when later later like they go into it the author goes into this fairly extensive and useless description of Jason's apartment that never matters. but in any case,
0: um, yeah, it's kind of world building. There's a few kind of world building things that I do sort of appreciate because. The state of their lives is more interesting here mm-hmm. than, you know, for example, in something like reminiscences.
1: Right. And, and there is a contrast, which is nice, though. It's heavily weighted in describing Jason's situation. Um,
0: it is. And, and you get you get little details that feel kind of approximately right. Like, you know, there's a there's a point later on where it's mentioned that Jason has a car. Mm-hmm. And the explanation given is...
1: Where is it here? His his mom didn't want to... His, sorry, go on. Uh,
0: no, 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 go on. Yeah, that's right.
1: His mom didn't want him... um, For it to be too difficult for him to get back home. Was that it?
0: Or, like, didn't trust the safety of the public transportation or something like that. But it's just like, yeah, he has it because of, you know... Things that you can attribute to the character of, jeez, oh, what's her name?
1: I don't remember her name. Um, she's a Andy. Andy, that's right.
0: Andy Fox, right. Um, and there's little touches like that when they're talking about their majors. You know, he also um, talks about their his parents' reaction. And like Andy's a writer, and she doesn't really get you know the science focus. And you know, his dad's is clueless and doesn't understand anything he's talking about either.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, they do maybe talk about their their childhoods and families slightly more than you probably would in college to anybody. Yeah. But that's just because that's what the author had as a touchstone, right?
1: Right. It's you also have a... Fan service. Probably, Sorry, go yeah, on. You
0: also have a, and in fan service, you also have a probably completely pointless exchange between Jason and Paige by phone.
1: Yeah. yeah. I actually kind of like that. Um, I
0: liked it too. I mean, I, I'm a fan, so it, it serviced me. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's just that it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of the fanfic.
1: No, it doesn't. Uh, it does seem, yeah, it seems like a Jason Fox thing. But otherwise, it <laughs> I it serves nothing. Um, but yeah, so, so Calvin and so, so, his projects. He also has these yeah, paintings, right? Sorry.
0: Right, and no, no, that that's what I was going to go into. And Jason gets to see them because they kind of have to go back in the art building, mm-hmm. um, you know, right after this incident for reasons. Reasonable reasons that I forget to get his but, to get Calvin's things, because yeah, right before campus security kind of takes him out, right, something like that, or supervises their leaving or whatever, and so he gets to see some of the things Calvin's point working on, and go on about that other project that we learn about.
1: Yeah, the other project is that Calvin's painting three, ma- making three paintings, um, which all appear to be the cover art of Calvin and Hobbes collections as far as I can tell, except one of them doesn't have him in it for some reason. But yeah, uh, the, the place where I was surprised that Calvin was embarrassed was, um, when he's describing his first painting, which Jason stumbles upon, which has Hobbes in it and Calvin's Calvin's sort of bashful about, um, the, the fact that the tiger's name is Hobbes uh, of course Jason is super impressed by that specific painting on the wall instead of any of the other students paintings just by happenstance but you know star crossed whatnot. not um,
0: I, I appreciate that his, uh, his appreciation of Calvin's art it feels very much like you know a, a layman appreciation which is good because he is a layman like He's like, oh, man, that's really good. You can do really good art.
1: Yeah, right. Or
0: also like, oh, yeah, that painting is awesome because, like, it reminds me of, like, cool childhood shenanigans. Yeah, And, like, that's, you know, I don't know art either. And so, like, that's kind of the levels on which I can relate to things also.
1: Yeah, I personally, lo- like, as a layman, love, like, art that I feel like I can relate to, like, like something a kid would care about but on the other hand maybe that's because of Calvin Hobbes which has in my mind always been had amazing art in in and of itself um, mm-hmm. especially the landscapes and whatnot uh, but yeah so that's one of the, th- the two uh, that's one of the three projects and I forget what the third one was but
0: I'm not sure it matters yeah I don't think or it's plot even if relevant even hear much about it <laughs> and speaking of not mattering too much the main plot is actually a lot of back and forth with these like frat guys. Right. Um, Theta Chai or whatever. <laughs> and like Jason kind of engineers some rockets to go um like hit their 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 frat building and, and he like he even goes and like sneaks out in the middle of the night to like figure out where to hit. He's like aiming for the to chimney to des- so figures he can collapse it.
1: To destroy the chimney of this other house.
0: And he's got plausible deniability because he's had rockets go wild before. And he. Uh, apparently, he's kind of like a whiz kid. And, you know, they, the college kind of keeps him on even though he has caused trouble and set things on fire and, like, done stuff kind of like this before by accident. Right. And so he, he can just kind of do it deliberately and pretend it was an accident.
1: Which, by the way, like, I, I feel like in the Foxtrot strips, Jason like very often had accidents right with with all of that's that was that was standard for all of his experiments to go awry um on the other hand like this idea that he like does does experiments blows things up and then blames himself miscalculating stuff i i I really like that idea. I don't know how much he does it in the comic strip because I think he actually does miscalculate things in the comic strip. But the idea yeah, that, I think so. but the idea that he's gotten so used to that as an excuse and so familiar with it that he can just wreck, like create mayhem everywhere and just blame it on miscalculations. I really like because I can't think of pretty much any other character who does that. Um, like I've been trying to think of mad scientists but they've always they're always like too elitist to like really like be willing to like
0: appear like they made big mistakes exactly
1: Um, so I appreciated that quite a bit he does end up spoiler alert he does end up blowing up the chimney and caving in the roof apparently which
0: part of the roof yeah
1: no consequences (laughs)
0: Well, the other thing I like, by the way, the title of this is Geniuses, right? And we're supposed to take that as referring to Jason and Calvin. Mm -hmm. And I like that Jason is supposed to be a prodigy. He's like working on master's level stuff already. Mm -hmm. And he's very, very good at mental math and especially, but also apparently physics. Mm -hmm. And, you know, maybe he's less good at chemistry because he has a lot of accents, but like he's into it, right? Right. But he's not like, he's not crazy good. He's not like fiction levels of good at it. You know, he doesn't do anything that doesn't seem like it could be done. Right. And likewise, it's not the defining thing about his personality, which like you might, you know, as someone writing a fictional, like very smart person with glasses who is very good at science. Like you might want to play that up more than you need to. Right. And the author doesn't.
1: Right. Yeah. And
0: likewise, we are to take that Calvin is a talented artist and like, you know, he can TA classes and like he's... You know he has got like multiple projects in the air, and like he's very devoted to it, but it's not like he's you know it's not like everybody's seeing his praises he's like so amazing or you know so like so such a genius right
1: right he's not even it's not he's not nominally hated by these bullies for being just like super genius super good at art. but because he's kind of like.
0: He calls about on their shit is what he says. Right,
1: exactly. Um, yeah, that that is nice. I, I I agree with with that quite a bit.
0: And that means that like what they're doing can kind of take a background to the kind of character work that they're doing, and um, the plot, like the main plot, the back and forth with like the the frat house and stuff, we can just skim over it. It doesn't really matter. Nah. Um, for the most part.
1: We don't even. But they do have. We don't even see the bullies again really i don't think
0: yeah we do because at the end there's like the whole altercation
1: oh that's right at the end yeah they
0: figure they figure out that like jason shot the rockets and um you know there's like a conflict another physical conflict mm-hmm. and at this point jason and calvin have gotten to like spend a couple of conversations together because they-, they both were scouting out the frat house for revenge and jason's at not jason calvin's at is a little bit weird he's like guess i'm gonna have to take some revenge <laughs> <laughs> it's a little strange <laughs>
1: Yeah, as if he does this, like, real, really old hat, like, Old West style, like... Yeah. But, yeah. As if it's a duty rather than a pleasure or whatever. Which is... But anyway... Yeah, go on.
0: Oh, no, which is what?
1: Uh, again, like, to me, I feel like he should... Talking to Hobbes about getting revenge without necessarily he does, getting, re- yeah. We should talk about when he talks to Hobbes.
0: Yeah, he has one scene talking to Hobbes. He seems a little bit aware that he's talking to him. Well, it's not entirely clear in this fanfic whether he's like hearing things back or just imagining what he thinks Hobbes would say. And I like that that's not clear because it shouldn't be clear in right. a story like this.
1: Yeah, um, I vastly. Preferred Hobbes not talking uh, back to like the last fanfic. Like I just mm-hmm. like Hobbes just being a stuffed animal on a bed and Calvin talking at with Hobbes just felt like felt very right to me. Um, and I am I got a little bit of almost like. Some form of mental difference with it, like perception. That maybe, e- even though he refers to himself as a geek, that maybe like he like some indication he might have a little bit of. Um, I don't know if there's light schizophrenia, but a number of my friends who have dealt with schizophrenia have, have seemed to to talk sort of at. Objects like that, and I felt like maybe that would be good representation. But
0: yeah, I don't know. It, it's not made clear, which I think is just as well. Yeah. But definitely, talking to Hobbes is something he do. Hobbes is still important to him.
1: Oh yeah. You know,
0: he's not like wrestling with Hobbes on the bed or anything, but like Hobbes is definitely his friend and companion still. And we never hear Hobbes say anything,
1: and it works pretty well. Yeah.
0: Or we don't even get any, like, magic realism things about, like, oh, but how did Hobbes get from here to here?
1: Right. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah. But speaking of that, the the conclusion, the climax of the fanfic is the other, like, another altercation with the Theta Phi, Theta Chi, whatever, people. And they, they end up grabbing Calvin's bag, and it turns out he carries Hobbes with him, like, in his bag all the time. Uh-huh. Which also feels very right, like... yeah. Especially for someone who, like, has enemies or whatever, you know, like, that he would do that. I don't know. He would would feel secure having Hobbes with him, not Hobbes, like, somewhere else. And when they they grab Hobbes, like, you know, Calvin's like, oh, give him back, you know, can't hide that he's very important to him. Mm -hmm. And they, like, keep away with him, and there's, like, a whole physical thing, and it, and the, like, security is called again. (laughs) Prominent role for campus security in this story. Campus
1: security... I I will say they they are on their you know they 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 get to places they need to be really fast which is mm-hmm. I suppose what we want but
0: <laughs> and a, a turning point in Calvin and Jason's relationship here besides kind of like having these shared traumas of you know conflict or whatever is that like Hobbs ends up dropped in the snow and Jason makes an excuse to go back and fetch him like under the noses of the. Of campus security, so like they don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. and re- return him to Calvin when they're all getting hauled away by security because they've all been in a physical fight. And what's more, his explanation when he hands him back um, is Hobbs said he didn't much care to be left in the snow, and that he wanted to see you get in trouble. And then in the fanfic, it says Calvin looks startled, staring from Jason to the larger to the tiger, and back again. His face had a boys don't cry expression before he gave Jason a smile that was hesitant but happy and sweet, despite their dire circumstances. Jason had never seen a smile like it. That sounds like something Hobbes would say.
1: How and so How did you feel about this?
0: I kinda liked it in that it's clear Jason Jason does not hear Hobbs. Right. Jason just was struck to say that as an explanation right then. And that feels a little bit strange, because that doesn't really sound like a Jason thing to say but it is kind of an indication that like he like as a way for calvin to like drop down let down his guard a little bit and like trust someone a little bit them approaching hobbs and from that direction even if they don't you know have the same kind of relationship that calvin does with him Uh i feel like that that makes sense for why he might decide he would be closer to jason or could be closer to jason
1: it makes yeah that makes sense plot wise for me it was very confusing because I, I I don't know if I missed a point where like is this Jason just inferring that Calvin doesn't just use Hobbes in an art project or something like how does Jason infer that Calvin talks to Hobbes or yeah
0: it just seems to be intuition and I I see what you mean that 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 is kind of a leap.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's very, in a, in a way it's very sweet, but I also had this other negative reaction of like, Jason speaking for Hobbes for me just feels very wrong. Like to me, Hobbes speaks for Hobbes, so I don't know.
0: Right. I mean, I understand that too. It's an odd moment and supposed to be odd. And I guess whether you like it or not, Your mileage may vary, Mm -hmm. but it leads into the last segment of the fanfic, which is a little bit more bonding over being troublemakers as kids, Mm -hmm. and then um, Jason goes for the kiss, which I have to applaud him for in that he kind of specifies, this usually does not work out for me. (laughs) (laughs) Jason had only kissed three people in his entire life, two girls and one guy. None of them had gone over it real well, so he'd given it up as something else he'd never be good at. (laughs) And you know, further on. So Jason decided that one more stupid thing in a long line of stupid things really couldn't make his day, night, much worse. And he leaned in and pressed a quick shy kiss at the corner of Calvin's mouth. And that leads into, you know, kind of like a, yeah, I'm attracted to you kind of conversation.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it it was, it was cute. I... (laughs) I've definitely had in my life have had much more tense, like, reactions to one person going in for the kiss without really asking
0: first. Yeah, no, it's probably not a good idea.
1: <laughs> just generally probably not, but maybe if you go really slowly. But anyway, that, that's a, you know, they're they're just kids still in this, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and I didn't mean he should be applauded for not asking for consent. I just meant that, like, for risking rejection, right?
1: Oh, totally. It's <laughs> so hard to make any sort of move like that, yeah. Um, and
0: I like in their discussion of their, you know, sexual history, such as it was, um, this fanfics, <laughs> this fanfic version of the Calvin-Susie romantic relationship struck much, much truer to me, to the characters, than the other
1: ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. In
0: this one... Basically, they tried making out once in high school, and neither of them liked it, yeah <laughs> and I was like, yep, that sounds right, yeah, that sounds much more right
1: yeah i can I can even uh, it's very easy to imagine, um wait, no there's no there's never any actual kiss right in Calvin and Hobbes oh no, other than Hobbes, I guess kissing Calvin randomly, that was an odd, an odd strip, but, um, but yeah, it's very easy to picture Calvin and Susie trying to kiss and then not liking it, so, whereas this, I don't know, yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind how this ended up playing out, I suppose.
0: Yeah, and I like how after the kiss, they kind of back off of anything physical, Oh, yeah, but like there's the understanding that they're react that they're like attracted to each other more or less, and like you know maybe interested in exploring this relationship, and they hang out a little bit more in Jason's apartment, and there's also a kind of symbolic thing at the end where Quincy sort of just crawls over, looks at Hot, looks at Calvin, like lays next to Hobbes, who's apparently near one of his sleeping spots,
1: yeah, I really like that part. I don't know why exactly, um. I was, I was like, Quincy in Foxtrot seems to be vaguely aware of what's going on.
0: Not really. I mean, what I like about Quincy is that he does not seem to know or care what's going on. Hardly. Okay.
1: Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um, he, He is, when, when Quincy is around, he sort of just gets in the middle of things or is placed in the middle of stuff. Um, and in this case, it's sort of, it does kind of blend the two series together, right? To have Quincy and Hobbs next to one another.
0: And Calvin smiled is the last line, and Calvin smiled at that. Mm. By the way, uh, in reaction to, you know, that situation, we should probably specify that Quincy's an iguana, because oh, right. maybe not everybody's as familiar with Foxtrot.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Quincy's a... How long do iguanas live? A really long time, I think. Actually,
0: okay. Well, there you go.
1: Um, but yeah, Quincy is generally Jason is J- Jason's pet, and um, is generally one of Jason's experimental subjects, um,
0: or means of causing things to be eaten or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. Like,
1: so, uh, yeah. There.
0: That's kind of how the narrative wraps up.
1: Yeah, we want to talk about other little bits in it that we sure. we liked or found interesting. I, yeah, back up. So near the beginning, when uh, when Calvin isn't super. Oh no, uh, it's not near the beginning. It's when Calvin and Jason are talking about how they're both like getting revenge on the fraternity. I really liked Calvin's line of like. You, you're trying to get my revenge for me or I like mm-hmm. the idea that it, it was his revenge. I really liked. And then Jason weaseled out of like, um, like feeling guilty about that, which I also liked. Um, on the other hand, actually we should do, praise and then not praise is that what we should do or just
0: yeah if we're wrapping up this story that's what we do we kind of skipped it a little bit on reminiscences but we you know we complained about that one enough and I think I identified some things that were likable about it yeah Um, as for this yeah so other praise it is hmm like I said I think the extrapolation of Jason and Calvin works really well And that's probably my favorite thing about the fanfic, Mm -hmm. because, you know, when you're basing, when you're writing older characters, and the only source you had is them in elementary school, there's probably a temptation to take too much of their personalities, Mm -hmm. you know, and transplant them into their adult selves. And the author doesn't do that, but you can still see them as the same characters. Like, the lines of continuity seem there, you know, between, like, oh, you know, doing all this stuff as a kid and getting, you know, bullied and beaten up as a kid and, you know, kind of his relationship with his parents brought Calvin to here. And, you know, uh, Jason's childhood kind of brought Jason to here. And it it jives, it, it seems to work,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which I think is um praiseworthy, especially for doing it with two different characters from two completely different series.
1: Yeah, it would it would seem like it would be really easy to go hard with extrapolating how they would be to being like more ridiculous people. Um right. but but it's sort of soft pedaled, which is nice. Um I buy it. Yeah, I I buy it too. Uh so another thing that I liked was that there was a Mongol hordes line callback, which, as a kid, I really really enjoyed. Even though the criticism of it is also expressed in this fanfic, which mm-hmm. um, is valid because it's not much of a
0: it's not a good tongue twister. You can just say it easily enough.
1: How many boards would the Mongols hoard if the hung- whoop? There we go. How many no, boards would the Mongols hoard that. if the Mongol hordes got bored? Yeah.
0: And that was your favorite thing about the fanfic, huh?
1: Favorite thing. And my favorite Calvin and Hobbes strip, because he just writes it out, and then he, like, crumples up the paper and throws it in the trash, and that's the entire comic strip. Um, yeah. Any other praise from you?
0: I think that's my biggest praise, mm-hmm. is just the characters as they are drawn. I, I notice in terms of small things, there's even this, like, low-key misogyny going on from Jason, which... You know, it's not an endearing trait, mm-hmm. but, like, it just comes up a couple of times. And, I mean, yeah, like, Jason is, was a little, like, misogynist jerk as a kid, more or less. So yeah, I guess he retained a little bit of that. That's great. So was Calvin in his own way, but he doesn't seem to, like... I mean, we don't see as much inside Calvin's head here.
1: Yeah. Have you... I know you guys encounter this a lot, um but like maybe i should be saying y'all since i'm from the south now i know y'all encounter this a lot where like my my gut instinct is oh man that's misogynistic and then i'm like mm-hmm. okay, well it was 15 years ago and are my standards different because it's 15 years ago from
0: 2005 no i mean well what i'm talking about here is not like really the attitudes of the author it's Specifically, lines of Jason's where he's like, Oh, he sees a painting and he's like, Oh, like that's some, you know, tragic, overly like tragic painting thing. Yeah. Probably painted by some girl. <laughs> or like later on after Cal- Calvin kissed, and he's, Calvin's like, Oh, the only other person I've kissed was a girl. And Jason's like, Tell me I don't kiss worse than a girl. Or whatever. Right. And it's just like, Oh, he's using that as some kind of go to insult. So. Uh, so that's a thing, Jason.
1: Yeah, it's a thing to work on. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is, it's not, it's not you being overly sensitive. It's it's there in the text,
1: right? Um,
0: but uh, I, I don't know. I, I maybe I shouldn't be dwelling on that as a point of praise. I just like recognize the characters and the characters. Yeah. Should we move on to a couple of complaints? Sure. The main plot's not very compelling. I mean, it's like oh, you're you're fighting violent drunk frat guys who have some kind of grudge against you is this like i don't know that feels like a plot that did not come from 2005
1: (laughs) yeah it's definitely animal house-esque um and revenge of the nerds revenge of the nerds i mean
0: speaking of misogyny but anyway uh yeah yeah i I just wasn't that into it as a a kind of sensual conflict
1: i wasn't into it and there, there was no, like, positive resolution to it or anything like that. It's like, oh, we'll just take revenge and it will be a fairly meaningless revenge and things will probably go back to the same way they've always been. Uh, the immediate
0: physical conflict at the end is resolved, but nothing larger is resolved.
1: Right. Yeah. If anything, tensions are higher and yeah. maybe they'll be bashed for their relationship now. That That's a cheery... Potential future. Um the
0: author doesn't dwell on it, I guess, but
1: yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah.
0: I also believe this fanfic has a sequel or two. Oh okay. But I don't know where they go with that. Yeah. I... Hopefully not deep into more frat boy conflict, because that's the least interesting part about this.
1: Right. Um and this just isn't my experience with frat people at all. No. Um, not really. As a f- former nerd, um,
0: now an extremely cool, non nerdy person
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
0: Is it, yeah, I mean, it, it 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 like kind of jives from the Calvin Hobbes angle where it's like they are just the mo of college, right? but but they're but that's not really a thing from foxtrot either. So it's not like it kind of pulls together the you know the kind of world views of the strips or anything
1: I don't really remember Jason and Marcus getting beaten up by bullies no definitely not yeah.
0: they, you know the conflicts there are like conflicts of trying to out each other with like you know Eileen and I forget the other girl's name <laughs> Uh, one.
1: Of the, on the other hand um, there is something to be said for the fact that it seems like Does Jason just go over and climb up the house just to take a measurement, or like to figure out where to hit the chimney? Because that's kind of that's kind of cool to me. I think so. (laughs) I wasn't quite sure what he was doing on the roof after like since he was he wasn't planning on doing anything up on there except looking at it, but seemed like a lot of effort. Um, Is there a trope term? For, for like, falling in love by falling on someone? Probably. Because that... I mean, Jason's got a big crush. Calvin seems to sort of reciprocate. And then they're forced to be in physical contact by Jason falling on Calvin, which
0: and then hiding from, you know, a passing frat guy, so they have to be, like, really close to each other.
1: Yeah, and I guess Calvin's hand is on Jason's mouth for a really long time for no reason. It was just, it felt very, um... It felt very cartoonish, I guess. <laughs> uh... Which might have been the goal, but I don't find that compelling at all.
0: What I do like about the the relationship attraction there is that, again, like, Jason's way... Like, Jason has an immediate crush on Calvin. Mm -hmm. From the other direction, it's more like Jason gradually dawns in Calvin's consciousness. (laughs) Right. You know, like, more slowly. Yeah. And, you know, maybe that could have been built a little bit better, but, like, it's not crush at first sight for Calvin. Like, by the time you reach the end, it's like, oh, yeah, he's like... He actually does enjoy spending time with Jason and, you know, is... Like you know has been through some stressful stuff with him and like there's something there to build on but it's not like you know it it feels real for one person to be more into the other person
1: yeah I like that it totally does and for one person to just have sort of other concerns on their mind and also it also feels like Calvin to like even though Calvin in the comic strips will go on these crazy intense diatribes about random topics and like how people should be he doesn't he doesn't ever seem completely interested in like in other people in either in other people or even like thinking about how about his relationships at all like right. maybe maybe Hobbes in some like some moment of worry or or i don't know but like yeah otherwise he just doesn't that's not how his mind seems to work. Of course, he's six, so <laughs> maybe it's a little, maybe it's asking too much to like make that connection. But
0: for a long childhood, Taryn, twenty-two is the new six.
1: Right. Well, and thirty-two is the new ten, or no, I don't know what the exchange rate is. Um, it might not be linear. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, we're past adolescence. Um, yeah,
0: we're also past the fanfic. I think.
1: Anything else we want to wrap up? Um. No, I, I, I think we covered it. Um, lots of dialogue in this fanfic that is pretty. Uh. Normal person. I don't know how to refer to it. Very vanilla dialogue, which is perfectly fine it's you know it's just conversations going into their backstories and
0: yeah and like i said the, the only thing not kind of natural seeming about it is more that they're like talking about things that we the readers of the comics trip would know about and talking very little about things that we the readers of the comics trips would not know about yeah <laughs> like things do not come up from when they were like 15 that like we did not know i mean not really
1: yeah.
0: it's like jason's best friend is still marcus you know mm-hmm they go to different colleges but yeah that that's the only thing that feels kind of weird about like them talking about themselves or talking to each other or whatever
1: right it's it's just it's fan service it's not super interesting um but but you know how Jason sort of gets Calvin to open up a bit is you know it's entertaining enough i think yeah
0: And like you said, much better Hobbes dialogue. Zero lines instead of one. Right,
1: much better. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Okay. All right. Then I think we're going to close this episode out. Um, We are kind of winging a lot of things these days, what with coronavirus and such, but we're going to try to continue to produce content Mm. for, you know, the... What people need to distract them in this trying time is people talking about old fanfiction, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. We're going to try to continue to fill that void.
1: I've already started back at episode one. Actually, I don't know if I have episode one, but episode...
0: Well, it's completely obtainable at our website, fit.ly slash retrofanfic is the short link to it, or on whatever podcast service you probably use. (laughs) I'm saying things out of order
1: today. (laughs) uh well
0: had to use that lead in uh anyway yeah because of weird scheduling things this was episode 81 of retro fanfic retrospective I think I said that last episode too that's going to end up being episode 80 of retro fanfic retrospective and I know it's not a big deal and you'll all forgive me for that but this particular episode was two Calvin and Hobbes fanfics, Reminiscences and Geniuses. Mm. You can find the one at bit.ly slash rfr Calvin and the other at bit.ly slash rfr
1: Hobbes. Cool. Will do.
0: Yeah, Tarin. after, um, you know, sitting down and discussing these fanfics, you might want to go read the fanfics. So I'm glad I just provided you with those links. <laughs> You've been faking it really well up until now.
1: Look... I'm a savant. I'm a genius, even, so...
0: Oh. Am I also a genius?
1: Are we geniuses? Um... You're... Yeah, you're smart. (laughs) No one would say that you're not smart.
0: No one would say that. They're all too polite. Alright, the podcast's intro song is the weekly fare off of the album Popey's Incredible Adventure by Komiku. The outro song is Run Against the Universe from the same album. You can find that album and other works by Komiku at loyaltyfreakmusic.com. You can find our website, as we said, at retrofanficretrospective.podbean.com, or the short link is bit.ly slash retrofanfic. And if you have comments, questions, or thoughts about this episode, or Calvin, Hobbes, Foxtrot, or their relative merits please contact us on Twitter at RetroFanfic. Send us an email at RetroFanficRetrospective at gmail.com. We're also on Reddit at Fanfic Retrospective. We've got Facebook at RetroFanfic, and we have an Instagram at RetroFanfic, I do believe. You can also leave comments or reviews on Apple Podcasts or uh, YouTube, episodes go up on YouTube, or whatever podcast service you use, and all of those would be greatly appreciated. I'm Amato. I'm Torrin we're just two Earth life forms trying to be nice to each other. Until next time, take care. Bye. Did we know each other when we were six, Taran?
1: Um, nope.
0: Kinder- kindergarten? Kindergarten. Maybe. Yeah.
1: And there were tires, and we would get in the tires.
0: So that means it's not unrealistic for Calvin to marry Susie. No. <laughs> uh,
1: I think I missed some
0: Yeah, you can skip the headphone amplifier if it's just one of So, I will. <laughs> one of use, guys. Tarn's going to go southern, and you're going to go old school. <laughs> yep. Y'all
1: is the best word. Uh, no, y'all is a great word. It's no, very I,
0: useful. I've like, fully and fully adopted good. y'all into my vocabulary. It's just too, too useful. Yeah.
1: I said, I said you guys around here recently, and people just started laughing at me. <laughs>